Hey, this is Miles Hunter. I'm the pastor of TC3 Students, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today, and I hope this message helps you connect to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ and gives you the courage to live out your faith in your homes, schools, and community. Enjoy today's message. Hey, what's up, everybody? Oh my gosh, hello. Hi, how you doing? Hey, so if you don't know what flocking is, well, when you get to be an upperclassman, you'll learn, you'll learn much more about it. If you can drive uh, late in the night, the first night, if I understand correctly, as they went to lay flamingos at random people's houses, uh, they got stopped by the cops. And so that's exciting. A bunch of our upperclassmen almost got arrested in the name of TC3. So that's fantastic, fantastic news. So if you ever want to get possibly arrested in the name of TC3, do something for me. And uh, yeah, right? Yeah, go, go figure. This is being recorded. I don't even know why I'm speaking this. Hey, so uh, listen, listen, guys. We are, uh, we're doing this series. We're ending this series today on identity. Uh, and we're talking about, man, how are, we, how are we supposed to see ourselves? How has God designed us to see ourselves, and not just ourselves, but our neighbor or the rest of the world. And we looked at, we looked at how we're made in God's image literally week one. It's like, man, God, we are literally made in your image from the inside out. Like all of your qualities, all of your giftings, all of the good things about God are placed within us. And then last week we learned how sin corrupted that image. We learn how, how sin, when sin came into the picture, the once whole beautiful picture that God designed us with, that as we looked in the mirror, our reflection was of the creator himself, and not just outwardly, but inwardly as well, how when sin entered the picture, it broke our perspective of the image. And then we talked about like, man, how can we, how can we possibly get that image back? Well, the answer is we, we can't. But we learn that through Jesus, if we believe in what he did, that our perspective of that image, if we hold on to Jesus, will be restored and is restored even in this life. And so when we connect to Jesus, we see ourselves made, made perfectly in God's image as his kids bearing the likeness of creator God. And not just in the physical, but in the emotional, and the functional, and the mental, and spiritual. AKA, it's not this, just that we look like God that reflects him, but how we act. We act like him. We act like God's kids. And so God has designed us like himself literally from the beginning. But in order to see ourselves rightly, as we just talked about, consistently, we must stay connected to Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who's given us to see ourselves as God sees us. And so get this, we can only see ourselves through the eyes of the Father, through God's lenses, if we're connected to the Son. We can only see ourselves through the eyes of King Jesus, through Dad, through God our Father, if we are connected to the Son. And Jesus, what he does is by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, once we connect to him, well, he gives us, he gives us a new perspective. He allows us to see differently. We put, on, we put on God's glasses when we connect to Jesus, when we see ourselves, and when we see everybody else and the rest of creation as well. And that's what Romans 12, 2 is, is all about. Romans 12, 19 has been quoted at me a lot today, but we can talk about that later. It says, be transformed by the renewing of your my, is what Romans 12, 2 says. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's when we are connected to Jesus, we think about God, ourselves, and the rest of creation the way that God designed us to think about them. The picture in the mirror, our reflection, is no longer blurry or broken or distorted or corrupted. It is now whole as it was designed to be. 
But there's one, one final piece to this journey, and that's what we're gonna talk about today. There's one, there's one more thing to this, whole, to this whole image and identity thing. Once we realize, all right, God, we're created in your image. Okay, God, we've sinned, and that image is now distorted and broken as we see the reflection. Okay, God, thank you for Jesus, so now that we can see the reflection in the right way. God says, once you can see your reflection as I design you to see your reflection, I have a task for you to do. Actually, a couple. And so, like, we're going we're gonna to dive into that. But before we dive into that, I want to tell you a story about myself. So, many of you know, like, I went to college to play, like, college football. And I went, like, to play on a full scholarship. That was, like, my, my dream. That was all I ever wanted. And I accomplished, I accomplished that dream. But I wasn't connected to Jesus as I was walking in that dream. And so I was really broken and I was really messed up. And to be honest, I was living, I was living a double life. I went to a Christian school. And so like I, I had to be one person on campus because well, I went to a Christian school. And one person when I met with like our football team's pastor because I went to a Christian school. And one person when I was in the locker room and in the weight room and, and on the practice field because I went to a Christian school. But when I got home, when I got home, I was a totally different person. My life did not honor God. And I remember when I was, when I was going into my senior year, I was, a, I was a junior that spring, and our uh, team pastor asked my best friend, Zach. He said, Zach, like, I know you're living for God. And Zach was a great person. I'm glad Jesus put Zach in my life. He said, I know you're living for God, Zach, but, but I want you to be the team's spiritual leader for, for this year. And Zach said, okay, I'll do it. He said, but under one circumstance, I want Miles to do it with me. What an idiot. I was not living for God at the time, and I did not really want to. And so Zach told Coach that, and Coach did what he was supposed to do. He did his due diligence. So he asked around to other team spiritual leaders that were in the past that knew me really, really well, and they all told him exactly what I told you. Miles is a great person here on campus. He's a great person on the field. Anyway, we can argue about that. And, but... But when he, when, he gets, when he gets home, when he gets home, he's a totally different person. And I don't know if that's the type of person you want leading our football team. And so I went into, into my, our football team pastor's office, and he looked at me, and we had a man-to-man -man conversation. And he said, he said hey, like, uh, this is what Zach wants. This is what the former spiritual leaders are saying about you. And I looked at him in the eyes, and I was like, that's right. It's the first time in my life that anybody had ever called me out on my mess. And like I connected to Jesus like in that room. I, I knew who God was. Like I believed in God, but like I hadn't made God like Lord over my life. And I definitely wasn't ready to like sell out and live for him. And it happened that, that day that I sat in, in coach's office and, and my life like started changing on that day. And, and God started this process in my heart and in my life where he developed in me and is still developing in me a desire to live for him. But ever since my perspective changed in that office, ever since my perspective changed about my teammates and myself and me being made in the image of God, after that moment, God said, okay, I have a task for you to do. And that task was to connect as many of my teammates and as many of my friends to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ as possible. And that's the command, that's the task that God gave to Adam and Eve. That was the job. Even before sin entered into the world, God was going to use Adam to accomplish that task. 
But as a result of sin, Adam and the rest of mankind, once Adam sinned, we all sinned. I, I know, like, it's a, it's a hard concept to believe, but like, once Adam sinned, we all come from Adam. We were all born into sin, which makes none of us good. Not one of us is what the text of scripture says. We're all born into sin. And as a result of Adam's sin, the rest of mankind and Adam himself were separated from God and unable to properly complete the task of connecting people back to God. And so what God did, the, the simple gospel is God sent his son Jesus because man was separated from God. And so God sent his son Jesus to be a bridge in this massive chasm that we had created. And now... When we believe in Jesus, God says, now you can be back in right relationship with me. And now God is accomplishing the task through every human being that has accepted Jesus and has been reconnected to God himself. And that was, that's the task. Genesis 1.28 is the task. Before the fall, before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, before they ate the apple from the tree, God gave them a task. It literally says, God blessed them, talking about Adam and Eve, and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And so the first task that God gave all of us, it says, be fruitful and multiply. Go ahead and laugh real quick. Get it out. Oh, nobody. Oh, shocker. Okay, great. Perfect. So, hey, listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. This, this task, this task, be fruitful and multiply, is not just about sex. It's about discipleship. This task is not about sex, it's about discipleship. Discipleship is the more that we, as image bearers, reproduce, and I'm going I'm to switch that word reproduce and switch it with multiply. The more that we, as image bearers of God, multiply and fill the earth, the more God's image goes out throughout the rest of the earth. I want to I explain this concept. So we have, we have a student in this, in this room, both of them, right? They decided, hey, I need to share the gospel with my friend. And as a result of them walking and doing life with their friend and sharing the gospel with their friend, their friend who was far from God accepted Jesus. And as a result of their friend, their one friend coming to Jesus, now their friend is having many conversations with their friends that are far from Jesus, that are broken, that are messed up, that have a distorted perspective of themselves. And so as a result of one person connecting to Jesus, there are many now that are hearing about him. That is the multiplication that I am speaking of. That is the multiplication that the first task is speaking of. I want to emphasize another thing. This image bearers thing is, is not in how we look only, but also in how we act, as we talked about earlier. Image bearers has, has two parts. It's that we see ourselves correctly as righteous, as worthy, and beautifully made creatures with, with our lives hidden. The text of scripture says our lives are hidden in Christ, which means like we live in him and he lives in us. And two, it means loving others with the understanding that other people, everybody in this place, everybody outside of this place, everybody that you see every single day is made in the image of God. And unfortunately, they just may not know it yet. And so if we take this verse and only use it for something, we miss, we miss the big picture. See, God wants to use us, us to push out his image, to expand his image. Thank you, Kev. And so as we look at expanding God's image, here's the thing. Janae talked about it just, to, just our 
second week here. I'm gonna keep this on because it's gonna get weird. Janae talked about this our second week here. She said, or our first week here, she said, hey, if we're made in the image of God, what the, what the Old Testament kings and, and people used to do is they used to put up statues of themselves all along the realms of their kingdom for miles and miles and miles so that people would know, hey, this is where they rule, this is where their authority is, and these statues are to remind the people that they are under the lordship of this said king. God doesn't need statues, and we need to understand that because God has us. We are, as Janae would put it, we, we are God's ambassadors for the rest of the world. As we walk around, as we love people, as we interact with people, people ought to see God in us. We are the image bearers of God. And how are people supposed to see God in us? Well, John 13, 35 gives us an example. It says, your love your love from one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And so if you want other people to see God in you, then love unconditionally. Like what if we really loved our classmates unconditionally, our teachers, our parents, our siblings, for the sake of multiplication? What if we loved them unconditionally? For the sake of connecting them to the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, we loved people unconditionally. That's, That's the command. Love unconditionally. And if you and I don't know what it means, what it genuinely looks like to love unconditionally, it means to love and speak to everyone that we interact with as if their life is on the line. Because it is. Loving unconditionally means to love people and to interact with people as if their lives are on the line. And so I asked the question is like, when's the last time that, that you or even myself told your friends, your teammates, your classmates, a family member that they are made in the image of God and that they have a savior and a creator that loves them and that knows them by name? Are we so like overwhelmed? Are we a people? Are we a youth group that is so overwhelmed with the truth of the gospel that brought us freedom that we have to tell people about Jesus? Are we that type of people? See, we watch our friends and we watch many of our classmates and and some of us even suffer. We watch the despair in their families and the brokenness. We hear about how they hate themselves and and all of the, the, whether it's psychological issues or anxiety or depression or suicidal thoughts. We see all of these things on a daily basis and we have the truth that can set them free and yet we keep this truth to ourselves. We convince ourselves because we have this amazing church that we want to bring people to. That's why Janae and I came to this church, because it was a church that we could bring lost friends to that didn't know Jesus at all. But unfortunately for many of us, we use that as a cop-out. We tell friends, hey, just come to church with me. Just come to, come to church with me. You, you, you want to be here instead of sharing the gospel ourselves. Here, here's the deal, right? I am so grateful when you guys bring friends and people in this place. I will be even more ecstatic when you connect them to Jesus yourself. Our goal is not to connect your friends to Jesus. It is to disciple them, which means walk with them along the road. But I am willing to bet that it is more likely that if you share the gospel with your friends that they'll connect to Jesus than me. And so here's here's the deal. Here's the deal. 
right? Is many of us, if I were to, if I were to take a survey, let's, let's just be honest for a second in the room, right? If I were to ask this room, hey, how many of us that are followers of Jesus could say, hey, I know in two to three minutes, I can just share the gospel. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. In two to three minutes, I can just share the gospel. Okay, great, fantastic. It's like six of you. Okay? And so what I wanna do is we wanna equip you to share the gospel. And that's, that's, on, that's on us, right? It's like we, as your small group leaders and as your leaders are called to equip you to share the gospel so that you don't have an excuse. And so there's an app that's about to come up on the screen. I want you to take your phones out in the middle of service, yes. And I want you to scan that app right now. And I want you to download it. And as you download it, I want you to log in and I want you to be active on it. And we're gonna walk through in the next couple of weeks teaching you in our small group time how to share the gospel. And I'm gonna share the gospel at the end of this message and we're gonna walk through this together. When you're done, go ahead and put your phones down so I know you're done. Here's the thing and here's why I'm so passionate about this, guys. Dan and I were, were texting on, uh, on Thursday, Friday night. And, uh, and I had just heard a podcast and the podcast like really convicted me that we weren't doing a great job of this, not knowing how, like, how God had already kind of placed my heart in this, in this mode. And so what I did was I started with every school from Port St. Lucie, like going as north, not as north as Fort Pierce, but going literally to the edge of Fort Pierce where Port St. Lucie ends. And then all the way through Martin County to every middle school and every high school. And so this doesn't include you guys that are homeschool, right? And I went through every single school and I, and I added how many students were in every single school. Every single one. And then I added like all of the youth groups in this area too. There's about 26, so I, I, I made it 30. And let's say that every youth group had 60 kids in it, which it doesn't. If every youth group had 60 kids in it, and let's say every youth group with 60 kids, all of those 60 kids were connected to Jesus, which they aren't. Even if that were the case, that's still the number of kids in your schools that if they were to die tonight, they would not go to heaven. That's the number. And so like that's, that's the heart cry, is that there are 18,000 kids in our schools right now that need to hear the gospel, that need to hear Jesus just in our area, just right here. And so the, the cry of this is that we, as a, as a student group, would bite down that number. Actually, don't even take that off. I want that to stay up there for the rest of the time. I want that to be so ingrained in our minds and in our hearts that it eats at us. That we say to ourselves, hey, I'm going to look at this app because I got a few friends that I need to share the gospel with. I want that to be our heart. And so we're going to equip you guys. We're gonna show you guys how to share the gospel. The last command, it says, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. And see, so there's this, uh, there's this old school movie that I love. It's, uh, it's called The Scorpion King. Anybody ever seen The Scorpion King with like The Rock? It was one of his first. It's really good. Yeah, yeah anybody like it? So, so this, this movie, right, he's going into a battle with one of his buddies and his buddy looks at him and he, and he tells his buddy, he says, live free. And his buddy looks at him and he says, rule well. I don't know why. It's just like one of the dopest parts in, in the film to me. It's super small. But I think about that, that statement and that's what God tells us to do. 
That's what he told Adam and Eve. He says, live free. Not live free in the sense that we think about live free because we think about live free like meaning like we're no longer gonna have to live with our parents and we're no longer gonna have to listen to any rules. Freedom without rules isn't really freedom, just to let you know. God says, live within the rules that I've set for you so that you can have life and life abundantly. So live free is what God had given to Adam and Eve. And then he says, rule well, rule my creation well. Take care of what I've given you. Live free, rule well. And this means that we, like Adam and Eve, have the same command. That command is to cultivate and to care for the part of the earth that God has given us. And so my question is, is do we take care, do we care of the part, take care of the portion of the earth that God has entrusted us with? Janae used to always yell at me, Janae's an Oregonian, and so like she, uh, she's a tree hugger. Like she genuinely, she eats granola, like, like cereal, like she is a real granola. Like, man, she, she just is, and so, uh, and so she used to get mad at me, like, I, you know, like the little uh, Capri Sunlight wrappers or whatever. I would like miss the trash can and like leave it there. And she would have a fit. And I would be like, what? come on, it's a Capri Sun wrapper. Who really cares? No, not really. Uh, and so, uh, and so, but, but here, here's the thing, right? It's like, how often do we walk past like trash, like in our school and just leave it there? How often do we walk past trash on the beach and leave it there? How often do we laugh at our friends that vandalize our schools? Because at the end of the day, that's the portion of our area that God says, I've entrusted it to you, rule it well. That's the command. And so God says, even with the, even with the little things, I want you to rule that well. And so here's, here's the last part, and this last part sums it all up. This is the last task. It is developing a God-glorifying culture everywhere we go. We, as followers of Jesus Christ, if any of you are that sit in the room, we are supposed to develop a God-glorifying culture wherever we are. Which means this, simply put, we are supposed to be the thermostats, not the thermometers in the room. We don't read the temperature, we set the temperature in the room. And so if we respond to our friends and walk into a room of a group of people and we just blend in and there's nothing different about us, there is nothing that changes the temperature of the room, then we are not acting as followers of Jesus Christ. We need our youth group, all of us, to be the cultural shifters of this entire place. That is the command. That is what God has called us to do. And so some of us, some of us in this room genuinely, some of us in this room know that, man, I've connected to Jesus, but I've, but I've not, one, either lived like it, and I definitely haven't been sharing the gospel, and I need to accept the call. We know that. We know that we need to respond to the command that God has given us to start to shift the culture, to go into rooms and change the temperature, not to read it and respond to it. 
And so if that's you, if you know, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I've, I've used the easy way out, I've, I've uh, allowed people to come to church with me and I've not spoken to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ, or, or I just said to myself, I'm just gonna use words, not use words, and I'm just gonna love this person and I'll let God take care of the West. Uh, side note, Jesus used words, guys. And so like shyness isn't really an excuse. And so if you're a follower of Jesus Christ in this room and you know, hey, I need to respond to the command. I need to start to shift the culture in my school. And I want to do that. And I want to be bold in doing that. I just want you to raise your hand and say, I'm committing to do that right now from this day forward. Raise your hand. Because this isn't a half in, half out thing. This is a, I want to commit to change the culture of where I go to school, of where I am every single day. You can put your hand down. There's others of you that we can eat at that right now. We can eat at the 18,000 unreached students right now. I broke down when I sent this to Dan because I thought about 18,000 teenagers, which, which I love so much. All of you guys. And I thought about it and I was like, holy crap. There's 18,000 kids that most of them sit next to you every single day that if you look at them, I swear you should cry because they don't know the savior that you know and they won't leave this place as happy as you will. How dare we keep this great hope that lives with inside of us to ourselves? Some of you don't know Jesus. You don't. And so this, the simple gospel is, is that God, yes, God, creator of the entire universe created you in his image created Adam and Eve in his image and then and then Adam and Eve thought themselves to be better than God they thought themselves to know better than God and so they sinned and as a result of sin they they put this chasm this separation between us and God and God saw that chasm and he didn't like it. The gospel, God, our sins, Adam and Eve's sins. And so he knew that in order to make that bridge, in order for us to have relationship with him again, that somebody had to pay the penalty. Somebody had to pay the price of sin. And so he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus lived a perfect life that you and I could never live in all of his righteousness and all of his goodness and then he went to the cross he was murdered for our sins and as a result as a result he went to the grave for three days he took back what what power sin and death had over us and then God says hey if you believe in what my son did if you believe in his resurrection then you can have relationship with me again and have eternal life. That's the gospel. God, our sins, payment for those sins, and then everyone lives. That's life in six words. That's what the app is all about. That's what the gospel is all about. And so if you right now realize, man, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want one, and I've waited too long, in front of everybody, I just want you to raise your hand. Be bold, be bold. If 
you raise your hand, say this prayer with me. And all of you that believe in Jesus, say this prayer alongside me too. Dear Jesus, please come. Take control of my life from this day forward. I ask for forgiveness for my sins. And I ask Jesus that I would realize that I am a new creature. I am a new creation in Christ. Lord, I trust in what your son Jesus did for me on the cross. And I ask Holy Spirit that you would now live in me. Jesus, thank you. And I love you. Amen. Jesus, I thank you so much for your love for us. I pray, Jesus, that we would take this 18,000 seriously. That we would be bold enough to share the gospel with the people around us that we know don't know you. And that, Jesus, you would equip us. That you would break our hearts for what breaks yours, and that is people that don't know you yet. Lord, we love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.